Welcome to the Juniper and Journey podcast with Keziah Ritter and Lindsay Heslop. We're so thrilled that you're here. This is a podcast dedicated to celebrating the strength and stories of women, good, bad, ugly, and beautiful in their own words. We believe in the power of real conversations, honest confessions, and playful nostalgia. You'll get to hear all kinds of perspectives from all kinds of women about all kinds of things. We'll talk about life and motherhood and loss and faith. We'll reminisce about the good old days, first loves, and old flames. This is going to be fun. Things might get a little rowdy, but we can guarantee that it will be meaningful, and we hope each woman's story inspires you towards empathy, compassion, and healing. Okay, let's get started. Michelle Ware is here with us today, Um, and I actually first met Michelle as a parent of one of the students um, from a youth group that I used to lead, and then um, actually as a mutual friend of one of our dear friends, Lacey, who we've also talked about on the podcast before. Um, But I I know Michelle to be strong and vulnerable. Um, I I feel like she's always just been so honest um, and really grounded. So Michelle, I'm excited that you're here, that you said yes. So welcome. Yeah, welcome. (laughs) (laughs) We're excited you're here. Um, today we want to talk about a really, uh, specific part of, part of your journey. And so why don't you, for us, talk about what life looked like for you, um, back in, back, you know, three years ago, back in 2017, what was going on in your life, you know, before kind of what we're going to get into. Yeah, I don't know. It looked pretty normal, I guess. Like, <laughs> Um, let's see, my kids would have been seven, eight, and I don't know, 12 or something like that. Um, but yeah, like that summer, we just, we traveled, we went to a lot of concerts. Um, our kids are, were pretty independent even then. So me and Zach just kind of went out a lot. And I think Koda was finally at that age where he was like, old enough to babysit mostly because my youngest Oliver is very responsible. So, you know, we would tell Coda he's babysitting, but put Ollie in charge (laughs) (laughs) kind of like that. Like, okay, now we have somebody old enough and somebody responsible enough in the house. So they're good to go. (laughs) I love it. Yeah. That summer was normal and you were active and doing like summer in Colorado things. And then, at what point um, were things not so normal anymore? So while we were doing all the normal summer stuff, I remember we'd bowled a lot with the kids bowl free thing and then went to the pool a lot. Uh, we went to Chicago. Me and Zach went to Chicago. While we were doing all of those things, I was I felt like tired, like more tired than I think like normal, um, like kind of chalked it up to a lack of, or a lack of hydration or, you know, all of those things. But then I would have like this, what felt like a sinus infection that just would not go away. And so I'd go to urgent care and they'd be like, well, here's some antibiotics, but you don't have a sinus infection. And then I'd go back again like a month later and then same thing. (laughs) And then 
I had like this pain in like my shoulder, like it almost felt like my collarbone. Like I was like, I know it's not broken because I feel like that would be really bad, but it hurts. Like mm. I just, and then, so I went to urgent care and then they x-rayed and it was fine and just gave me like muscle relaxers. And so that was like all throughout the summer. And then I think like school started up and then I was like, well, I haven't been to the doctor in forever. So maybe I should just make an appointment. And I was like, I know it's going to be my thyroid and they're going to put me on thyroid medication. And that's why I'm so tired all the time. Because by this time I was like, like I couldn't even cook dinner. Like I'd start dinner and then I'd lay on the couch while it cooked and then I'd get Mm -hmm. up and then finish cooking dinner. And like, and so I finally went to the doctor and this was actually on, I think it was like August 22nd, whatever day the eclipse was. Oh, interesting. (laughs) So it was very memorable. Easy to remember (laughs) the day because I went and saw, watched the eclipse with my kid at school and then went to my appointment and then kind of told her all the stuff. And she's like, oh, well, let's just do like a full like blood workup. Um, And then we'll let you know. And if it's your thyroid or whatever, we'll basically you just take medication for your life. And then the next day... They called and they're like, yeah, can you come back in and redo your blood work because something looked off or whatever and we just want to check it. I'm like, sure. Redid my blood work, went home again, and then they called me the next day and they're like, can you come in? And I'm like, well, that's weird. Hmm. Like, don't you usually just tell me over the phone? Like, I'm going to prescribe you some thyroid medication, you know, like, and... And then so I went in. It's not like it is on TV. They don't have offices. They don't have like big window offices where you overlook things and then they sit you down and talk to you. Yeah. You sit in the exam room on the exam table and they talk to you. The doctor was just kind of like, my white cells were low. And like she said the word leukemia. But, like, I didn't really put it all together. It was kind of like the end of the conversation was like, your blood work isn't right. I'm going to refer you out to, like, a hematologist. So then I'm, like, waiting on this phone call for, like, days. And then I start Googling things. Oh, no. The the (laughs) doom spiral. Yeah. Because I'm like, what does that even mean? Like, what is a low white cell count mean and so I'm like kind of googling and then pretty much I calm down to like it comes back to like leukemia and so I just get like I kind of just sit on it for a week well like Zach I talked to Zach about it but I didn't really tell anybody else because I felt like I had no information and so like for a week, I'm like Googling different things and like, what does this mean? And like, okay, so if it is leukemia, what does that mean? And then like everything I read was like, you're going like they the doctor finds out and they're like sending you to the emergency room, you know, like, and I'm like, oh, well, then it clearly can't be that because they, like they haven't even called me back yet. <laughs> so, <laughs> right. I'm like, it's probably fine. Then it was like. Two weeks later, I had my appointment, 
I go to the hematologist and you need to get like a bone marrow test done. And she's like, I can do it for you right here with like a local anesthetic or whatever, or you can just go to the hospital and be put under. So am I just going to the hospital to get the test taken? She's like, even if you get the test taken here, you still need to go into the hospital. And I'm like, like, do I have to go today? Because we have concert tickets tonight. (laughs) And she's like, you cannot go to a concert. You have no immune system. And I'm like, but could I just go tomorrow? (laughs) (laughs) She asked me what hospital I wanted to go to. And like no one had up to this point, like prepped you for any of this, like saying this is what's going to happen next. Oh no, not at all. Like I had no idea. I mean, I really had no idea what was going to happen. I just like, well, and at this point, still no one has looked you in the eye and said, you have leukemia. Or is it just like, we need to make sure this next thing is a for sure. And then it's like, probably, but you got to go do this next thing. So I can't imagine the like, you're on this ambiguity. You're on this train, but we're not going to tell you where it's going yet. I'm fairly certain the oncologist, the hematologist oncologist did tell me like, this is very highly, very likely it's leukemia. Right. Like, obviously, we don't know anything until we do all of these tests, but it's, we're basically going to start you on medication, like, as soon as we can. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm like, okay, so what does that mean? Right, (laughs) yeah. And so we, like, went home, packed a bag, because they were basically like, you're going to be in there for a while. And then I think the next day, is when they had like the results and they were like, okay, so it's likely this type of AML. So we're going to start you immediately on like these chemo pills. Was there a moment for you where I imagine what you're describing just feels so surreal where you're like, I'm in, I'm in a doctor's room and now all of a sudden I'm in the hospital and everything I read seems really scary and like it should be moving fast, but it's not moving fast. But was there a moment in any of that for you where you kind of either come to grips with, or it just sinks in that it's like, I have cancer. Yeah. I, I don't know if that moment ever came. You just do the thing at the moment. I'm sure it did come, but it was probably like a week in the hospital. I bet this is messed up. This is crazy. Like what in the world? Like we went like stand up paddle boarding on Thursday night. Mm. And then now I'm here and then like kind of starting to understand like the numbers, like my labs and stuff and like where my white cells were and my neutrophils and all of that stuff. It's like, how am I even still alive? Like I had no immune system. That water was nasty. Mm-hmm. Like I probably, like, how did I not catch something? You know, like how did the boys find out? So Zach told them, um, 
we're pretty honest with them. And like, that was one thing that I remember thinking, you know, throughout my month's stay in the hospital, like, man, it's probably good that I'm here and not him because like, I don't know if I could handle it as well. Like, I don't know if I could talk to them, the boys as well as he can. Mm. And so I'm like, like I can handle being in a hospital. So, Mm. except for the food, but. (laughs) (laughs) So what happens next after this month's day? What does now, like, what's the treatment plan? What happens? So I, so I was in the hospital for 28 days, I think. And then I finally got to leave and went home. And then I would go back for a week, five days or something, every five weeks or so and do more chemo. And I would do four more rounds of chemo and then, and then that was going to be it. I pretty much always ended up in the hospital a few days after a treatment or a week after or something like when all my numbers would drop because my platelets would get so low. So I'd have to go in and like get transfusions and then I'd end up there for a few days. And for the most part I stayed fairly healthy. I don't know how these like a weird word to use, but <laughs> fairly healthy except for maybe after the last treatment, I think. Then I got like a really bad fungal pneumonia and I was in the hospital for a couple weeks and and it was really bad. But I slept through the whole thing. Yeah. They put me on some medication that made me like hallucinate and I thought Celine Dion was singing all yeah, the time. Girl. Yes. Oh my hey, gosh. Yes. If you're gonna be laying there, you might as yeah. well have some keep yeah, Celine, keep yeah. me company. It was <laughs> so weird. And then I'm like I have to laugh at that. Yeah. That's too good. But I'm like, why is Celine Dion? Like, where does that even come from? I swore that I could hear the Broomfield High School marching band practicing. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm like... That is too good. Did you lose your hair and stuff from chemo? Yeah, like right away. Yeah, what was that like? So it was way more emotional than I thought it would be. Like way more. Because I don't really care about my hair too much. It's not like I like always would do it. I mean, I literally did nothing with it. (laughs) But the first time I was in the hospital, I knew I was going to lose it. Like they tell you like, no, this, this chemo will, you will lose your hair. Um, so I decided like, okay, I just want to cut it short before it all falls out. Somebody came in and cut it like a pixie cut kind of thing. Um, and it was probably days after that. It was just like just hair everywhere, <laughs> like everywhere. And so I was like, I can't deal with this. Like, it's just everywhere. It's awful. <laughs> like, I hate it. Like, you know, there's just so much hair. And like, I would touch it and it would just like come out. And it didn't look like patchy yet or anything like that, but it was just like having hair everywhere. It was like gross me out. And so 
Zach like shave my head and it's way more emotional than anybody could imagine. I think like no matter how much you think like you're prepared for it, it makes it, I think more real. Oh, this is like actually happening. I mean, I realize I've been in the hospital for two weeks and I have this IV connected to me constantly but now I don't have hair. So this is like real. Like this is like not a dream. And the piece of, I would imagine, it also signals to people on the outside that I'm sick. Right. You know, b- before, even through treatment, if I feel well, I can probably be out and and you can't tell I'm sick just by looking at me. But then not having hair says immediately and you don't get to control that piece of someone knowing I'm not well I would imagine that loss of almost privacy in that way has got to feel difficult too yeah for sure like that is a big piece of it so I got a wig just for a little of that you just feel more normal I guess plus I could get like a like a like long hair and I've never had long hair. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, let's do it. Yeah, change it up. <laughs> Celine Dion hair. Yeah. <laughs> no, <laughs> so now that we're kind of in February, you are done with your last chemo treatment. Um, does life start to go back to normal or what what's the next piece of this? Yeah, so February was my last treatment, kind of got sick again in March. But then once I got over the pneumonia and went home and, you know, amped up from that, then I was pretty back to normal. Like we went to New York in June on a like a family vacation and like walked everywhere, 50,000 steps a day kind of walking <laughs> like definitely started to feel like normal. Like my hair started growing in all of that stuff. Um, it didn't look good, but it started growing in and I started working out that summer and then the kids went back to school. Like that started to feel like more normal. Then I started thinking like going to work, I should say, not back. Um, so I actually got my sub license in January so then I got my sub license and I did that for through the middle of February. And so all this time I would go in and get blood work done like once a month at least by this time. But then I started getting like tired again. <laughs> so I'm like, oh, I have allergies. Uh, and this was like in February and got my, so my January labs were good. And then... I go in February, they're like, you need to come in for a biopsy. And then so I go in for my biopsy and I like look at her. Oh, and by the way, by the time I started doing these biopsies, they stopped giving me the drugs because I switched to Kaiser. (laughs) (laughs) Come on, people. So I had lots of them without any, like, but just the, like, fentanyl is the good stuff, right? I remember I took Lacey to one and she's like, they give you the fentanyl and she's like, I'll say some weird stuff. (laughs) But then you wake up and she's like, your mouth's always really dry. So I get a muffin and a Pepsi. And that was like her favorite part. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> I know. I would talk to Lacey. I'm like, yeah, they don't, I don't get anything. They just like, oh my god, basically do drill what they like when bone. you have a cavity in your mouth, they give you that stuff, but on your back and then they drill into you. But Ooh. so I had this one doctor that would always do them. She was like the nurse practitioner or whatever. And she would always do them. And I'd always schedule them with her because she was very good at it. And it was tolerable. And um, I just like looked at her and I was like, so is this like just in case? like, Or did I relapse? She's like, you most probably definitely relapsed. So she's doing the biopsy. So she's drilling into my back. I'm crying. She's crying. Zach's like, she's crying while she's doing this. I was like, I go back into the hospital again a couple days later because I relapse. And then it like, it changed. It's so bizarre. And, um, so, but this was like basically one, almost exactly one year after my last treatment. And so I go in and then they're like, okay, so we're going to do whatever treatment, like the initial treatment, you're back in the hospital for a month. Um, but then you need to get stem cell transplant, bone marrow transplant, because once you basically, once you relapse, that's definitely the next step. Some people have to do the transplant right from the get-go, but my DNA markers or whatever were like favorable to chemo only. So So then that process starts, which also feels like it just takes forever. I'm like calling and I'm like, okay, so what do I need to do? Like I'm in the hospital. Like, what do you need from me? What do I have to do? Do I need to make an appointment? Do I like... Do I like my, should I have my sister tested? Like all this stuff. And they're like, yeah, just we'll talk about it once you get out. I'm like, once I get out, like, don't we need to do this like right now? All of that just felt like it just, it's like time slows down. So I did my treatment and then my transplant was June 7th. So I go back into the hospital like a week before that and have a lot of chemo <laughs> and a lot of radiation. And they basically like completely wiped me out. It was like n- nothing I'd ever experienced in all of the other treatments that I've had. And then you get a new birthday. <laughs> what does, did they tell you what the chances of relapsing were like, is this something you were kind of, you're like always waiting for the other shoe to drop or did you really feel like I'd made it out of this thing and I can't believe it's happening again. I feel like my doctors were really good in being like honest about stuff, but not like being scary or being completely the opposite of like, oh, you're always going to be totally fine. You know, like Mm -hmm. I was never the one that was like holding my breath when I would have to go get a biopsy. I just, I just figured it was just like the thing you do. Like you just go in and you do it. And I guess we'll just see what happens when it happens. I don't think I was ever really like 
scared of relapsing. Um, Although, I mean, I knew it was a possibility. I mean, I saw Lacey relapse twice. So it was not like I was naive about it, but I also, I didn't like live around it, if that makes sense. Yeah. How does, like, what does mothering and what does marriage look like just in this such a bizarre circumstance to be in and out of the hospital present, but then sometimes you're back in. And then when you're home, sometimes you don't feel well. And so how did you process all of that? I feel like I, even I've had these conversations with Zach, like when it first happened, like within the first month, but we just felt like, we really felt like it's going to sound weird, but like God, like set us up like very well for this situation, just in our, like in our mental states and his work situation and like all of these things, like they were very, they felt very like calculated in like, we would be set up to be able to handle things very well. The boys were super independent already. Like they were very good. Like I remember there was a lot of focus that summer on chores and, you know, these certain things. The boys were also very like understanding. Did you get a chance to just have some time or some moments where you're like, this is just normal life and, and, or like, these are just my girlfriends and we're doing our normal thing. Like, what was it like to have some moments that just were normal or that felt like we're not talking about all this stuff. We're not doing lab work or reading through or planning that, you know, did you have moments where you were just like, Oh, you just got a breath of like things that filled you up. There were times that I would go in for chemo for a week, but I would feel 100% fine. Like, totally normal because I wouldn't start to feel bad until after the chemo. There were times when I remember the boys would come and like, then Zach could have a break and like we would watch a movie or order pizza or something like that. And it was like, as weird as it is, it was kind of, it was normal, just in a different space. Mm. So yeah, like there were definitely bits and pieces of normalcy. And like when I would go home and I would feel fine it was pretty normal. You would know that I felt fine and things were normal when I was like stricter. (laughs) 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 When I could like, you know, yell out something versus like barely whisper because I had no energy. So after the stem cell transplant, how... Do they send you home? Do they say we're back to monthly check-ins? So I had my transplant June of 2019. It took a lot of time before to even build up the ability to like walk up a stair or downstairs. Yeah, so it was it was a while before I started to feel like I could do more things and 
whatnot. Plus your immune, my immune system was still low. So I wasn't really supposed to like do anything and go out and months later then COVID happens. <laughs> but for me, I was kind of like, this is like normal. And now everybody else can feel what my normal feels like. You can't leave your house. You have to wear masks all the time. <laughs> so yeah, it was kind of normal for me. So at what point was it in 2019 or early 2020? Are you considered to be you're in remission again or you're cancer free? The way I understand it, basically every time that they do the biopsy and it comes back clear, you're in remission. So I would go into remission after my first chemo stint both times. Right now, I just do the transplant date. That's like the big date, I guess. Because then they say like after a year, that's like a milestone, I guess. And then five years is a milestone. And you're still now today, every month you go in and have to blood work and biopsy? I don't biopsy. So I don't okay. have to do any biopsies ever unless blood work comes back bad. Got it. Yeah. Right after transplant, you go like like once a week or twice a week or something. I mean, you go a lot. And then they, they start to extend it out more and more each time. And I'm at, I thought I'd be done by now. Like I thought, oh, one year and then I get to be, I get to stop seeing you. But no, that's not true. Um, So I think I go every six weeks now. So... And I'm still on like a handful of meds and all of the things that I thought, oh, I just had to make it to one year and then I can get off the meds and I can stop driving to Denver and all of this. And it's just, that's just not how it works. <laughs> Did you do something to celebrate that one year mark? Um, yes. So Zach actually threw like me, well, so it was in the middle of COVID, <laughs> but Zach <laughs> threw me a like a surprise party of like just family. And I had a cake <laughs> and I got presents. <laughs> now I get to celebrate two birthdays every year. Yeah. And they're far enough apart. <laughs> <laughs> How has your faith played a role just in, in your diagnosis and, and through treatment? Um, and even kind of how you look back and understand it all today? Like what role did that have in this? You know, I feel like when you were, when I was like in it, I mean, I guess I kind of still feel like I'm in it a little bit, but it was more of the, of the faith of just like, okay, whatever, whatever happens, happens. Like there wasn't like a lot of questioning, I guess, and not like a lot of, like, I didn't have like bitterness or anger, but there were definitely times when it was kind of like the why sort of like thing. And it wasn't, it wasn't like in a, in a why me like angry or angry way. It was more like, I really wish you just like tell me what this is for just just out of curiosity <laughs> living where how we live now in this like time where you just can get any information instantly just tell me now just tell me what it was for and i'll be good 
I would say that it was like the why part of it was more around. I wonder what this is all about. And I know I'll probably never know. Just a reason. I yeah. I think that's so human to want to read or to purpose it to yeah. understand like I, okay, I, I can get around there's sickness and darkness, but like for what or how, how is this going to, how are you going to purpose this? Like, and can I know that? Yeah, now exactly yeah yeah just tell me so i can watch it closer or something you know yeah. like be more observant of it be more thankful for it have you seen any of that like have you been able to see moments or evidence of it being used for some kind of good one thing that really stood out in my mind was when i was first so when i was first diagnosed the first month that I was in the hospital, I would walk the hallways all the time. And I met this guy who was also in the hospital. And he was, I think he was like homeless before he got in. And he would walk around the hallways and he would like constantly be trying to like flirt with the nurses. And he was sort of like a pain in the ass and like one of those things. And he was probably, I mean, he was probably younger than me, if I had a guess. And he would be out there. And then so I'd be out there. And then we would start, I eventually just started talking to him. I would be like, you need to stop harassing the nurses. And then we would just like walk and like kind of talk. And he had maybe a little bit of a drinking, possibly a drug problem. I don't know about the drugs, but definitely drinking. There were just times when it, like, it wasn't like super serious or like lectured, but like after I would tell him to stop harassing the nurses, <laughs> I would just kind of talk to him about that. And then when Zach would come and visit me, then he would start talking with him. And then, and then like, I think it was a year later, he reached out to Zach on Facebook and then they like talked and they met and then he was like doing really well. He, when I relapsed, he saw that on Facebook and he like reached out to Zach and like said something like very nice. I don't know. I just think he's doing really well or I hope that he's doing really well still. I felt like when you ask, like, I don't know why, but he like kept coming up and I like haven't thought about him in years, hmm. but he just kept coming up and I was like. Maybe he was the th he was the one, the one person's life that maybe could have changed because of this, you know. Yeah. So I think it's it's those things. Do you find yourself showing up differently in situations now than you did before this chapter of your life, whether it's in your marriage or with your friends or? Or just with yourself, do you, do you find yourself showing up differently from this experience? I feel like I, it, maybe it's like cliche or very like movie, you know, in the movies, that's what would happen. But no, I don't. I totally feel like I'm back to normal. I would love to say that, oh, going through this made me have like a whole different outlook on life. <laughs> but it totally, it's just like, I feel like just normal. The way I justify it, I guess, is that I felt like before I had a really good marriage. You know, I have three boys that are 
they're good. Our relationships are fine. You know, like I'm not a perfect mom. I'm not a great mom, but (laughs) like I, you know, I still yell at my kids. I yelled at my kids then. And I, you know, I get angry at my kid, my kids or things they do. I still do now, you know, all those things. But like, I also would say yes to like making memories and going on adventures and things like that. And I try and do that now. Like, I don't feel like Mm -hmm. a lot has changed in that manner. You kind of wish it. Well, I don't know if I wish it would, but like in a way you kind of are like, well, that, you know, that's what it was for. Like now I'm a more present mom or I'm a more present wife or whatever, but I'm like, oh, but I was already that. (laughs) Yeah. I love that. So, yeah. Yeah. I think it just confirms if anything. It just confirmed who you were before. Yeah. I think it's okay that your experience, you don't come out on the other side of it with rose colored glasses. Like I, I think it's kind of beautiful for you to go, I am still me. Right. Yeah. I yeah. am still me. And that I is- really liked who I was even before I had cancer. And I think that's powerful to say too. Yeah. That's so powerful. Yeah, exactly. The only thing that I have noticed about me that has maybe changed is I feel like I am more like willing to like share my story and I feel like community has gotten more important to me, like, because I saw it, like I witnessed it while I was in the hospital. So there's those things. Mm -hmm. That's what they would do the movie on. (laughs) (laughs) Are there things that, yeah, maybe watching your community come around you guys are there things that you wish people knew about about being sick or about yeah what it's like to to have cancer that um you just wish people knew or understood yeah let's see there's probably a long list no <laughs> don't tell anybody that's getting chemo that they can cure their cancer with kale or whatever (laughs) that's a big one (laughs) those sort of things those sort of comments aren't very helpful um asking somebody i felt like it was like when people would ask me what i needed or what zach would need like it's almost like more work for me to think like just do something nobody cares send somebody dinner Sent like somebody sent us or sent Zach paper plates and paper towels because and with like a little note like nobody should have to do dishes. That's perfect. Like things yeah. like that. Like things that you don't have to think about too much. If somebody's in the hospital, the hospital food sucks. I don't care where you're at. So just send them food. Send them a Uber Eats gift card. Like, <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah. And like, if you're going to go visit, be okay with sitting in silence. Because sometimes like talking is too much. And don't ask people how they feel Hmm. or how it happened. Like, I mean, I think that was like the biggest reason why, like I started blogging 
and I would be on Facebook a lot because I just like did not want to say it 800 times. That was like one of the big things. But also because when I first, like in the weeks before I actually got to the hospital and I was doing all my Googling, I just wanted like a real account, not like a doctor or a hospital website. Like I wanted like a real person, like what is it really like? Hmm. What are you actually doing? So that's what, so I just started blogging. That's so good. Mm -hmm. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Yeah. Michelle, what gets you out of bed in the morning? It gets me out of bed in the morning. Well, I feel like now, because my kids like are so independent, I don't have to help them get ready for school. It's not them, um, which is nice. It's nice when you get to that point <laughs> in, your, in your like parenting journey. Uh, I think just having to get up to pee. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's, you know, I think that's it. And that's, I guess, where I am in my age journey. (laughs) (laughs) That's real. Yep. (laughs) And what keeps you up at night? (sighs) This question keeps me up at night. (laughs) I knew you were going to ask me this. And so for days... This question has just kept me up at night. I'm like, what am I going to (laughs) say? I don't know what to say. But I think it's that. It's like I stay up like when I can't sleep, it's because I'm either going through my day, like my past, and thinking what I should have done or what I should have done better or what I shouldn't have done. Or I'm looking to the future and trying to like perfect it or, you know, like something like just trying to be like scripted out and how is it going to go? And it's going to go like this. Mm -hmm. And this is, these are the things I need to do or things like that. And like, that's what probably keeps me up at night well again thank you um for yeah sharing this piece of your story and um i love that that it's yours and that you would just be willing to share it with us like Mm -hmm. in this space and with our juniper and journey community we really appreciate it thank Mm -hmm. you thanks thanks Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Juniper and Journey podcast. If you heard something that resonated with you or that you have questions about, we would love to hear from you. Follow us on Instagram at Juniper and Journey and slide into our DMs. It would be our treat and total privilege to chat with you. We all have a story. If you're interested in sharing yours here on the podcast, please reach out. Bye for now. Cheers. Cheers.